Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right. Hey, one more time. Let's honor the band for leading us in worship. Can we thank them for that? Thank you, team. Hey, and uh, before we dive into um, our scriptures and our series and some of our work that we're going to be doing today, I want to take a pause. I want to have a personal moment of privilege. Y'all, today is Pastor Jeff's birthday. Isn't that awesome? Hey, who loves Jeff? Love you, man. You are a dear friend and a gift to me, and you are a gift to our church. We love you, and we honor you, and thank you, Jesus, for having Jeff McIntosh born on this day, just 29 years ago, I'm sure, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, again, Happy New Year to everybody. It's glad to be back here with you guys. Last time I saw you all uh, was Christmas Eve. You were able to come to our Christmas Eve service. If you didn't, I actually wore a suit. Can you believe that? And I lied to all of our guests and told them I wear it every single Sunday. So it's okay. Uh, But no, it's great. It's great to be back here with you guys. I hear Rebecca did a fantastic job last week of preaching. Let's honor Rebecca. Didn't she do a great job? She did, and uh, she helped us kick off our new series that we're talking about called Get Your Life Back. And so say that with me, Get Your Life Back. Exactly. And so what we're talking about in this series is a concept um, based loosely off of uh, John Eldridge, who's a wonderful author. He's most famously known for his book, um, Wild at Heart. It's a wonderful men's book and captivating and some other wonderful books. And he wrote this little gem of a book called Get Your Life Back um, that many of our staff members... Uh, probably about mid last year, started to connect with on their own. And uh, Jessica Stafford, who's taught here before, read it. And then she gave it to my wife, Leah, to read it. And my wife, Leah, read it. And then she looked at me and said, here, you should read this. I said, thanks, babe. Okay. And she looked at me and said, no, you should read this. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And, uh, you know, we obviously, from our church, you know, we preach from God's word. We believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, written through human authors. We preach from this book, but we gain wonderful insight from other wonderful teachers of God's word. And so what we're doing is we're not preaching this book. Like, if you buy the book, you know exactly what we're going to say. We're not doing that. But we've been inspired by it, and we think there's some helpful pieces that we all can learn about uh, in this new year. So really want to commend that to you. We even have groups starting up for that uh, coming this week. You'll hear more about that, I'm sure, but uh, it's just wonderful. I highly recommend it. We just really think that this series is going to be life-giving to people. And so here's where I want to kind of start with today. Um, I think we don't talk enough about the soul. We don't talk enough about the soul. See, in the new year, we all have uh, new aspirations. I think we all started 2020 with, let's get through 2020. Yeah, death to 2020. The dumpster fire is over. It's 2021. And we got like six days into 2021. We're like, oh no, the madness is still here. Um, you know, we, even if outside of all the 
cultural stuff and all the stuff in the news, even for just us personally and in our lives here in South Florida in Palm Beach County, we are all trying to do things a little bit different. Most of the time at the new year, people try to focus like on their bodies. Um, Gym memberships in January and February jump by 41% in this time. Anybody here got any physical goals at the beginning of the year? Of course we all do, right? Like for me, I'm working out more, at least I'm trying to. My goal is to look like this come March. Yeah, right? Samoan tattoo and everything. Yeah, hey, don't woo too much of that, baby. No. Um, uh, yeah, so some people are so eager to work out and so into it for this new year. This actually happened uh, at Planet Fitness on Southern Boulevard, more towards the Western communities. This is a real thing. This happened because somebody was in a rush to get to the gym this week. Yeah, don't worry. Nobody was hurt in this picture, thank God. But many of communities, uh, in fact, two Community of Hopers, this is from somebody's personal Facebook page, uh, two Community of Hopers were right there and decided to not work out at that station, and then boom, a car plows through. Yeah, he needs to ease up on his protein shakes and the pre-workout stuff. So some of us are just really excited about that. Some of us focus on our minds. We focus on our bodies. We focus on our minds. Uh, I have a list of books I want to read. I have a different reading strategy this year. I want to be on social media less. I want to read more this week. Ruined all of that. But, you know, I want to do some of that different. We want to grow our bodies. We want to grow our minds. But hardly anybody makes resolutions in the new year about your soul. When in fact, the soul is probably the most important part of who you are. And we focus on on all sorts of other things, but the soul. Jesus said this in Mark 8.36. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? And so that's what we're talking about. A lot in this series is about your soul in this new year. See, last week, Rebecca here and me at the West Campus Center, where we broadcast online, we tried to communicate to everybody one idea to start the whole series. It's not on the screen, but this is what we said, and I believe this is what Rebecca was communicating to you too, that Jesus offers a lifestyle, a lifestyle that leads to rest, because he is the God of restoration. It's all about lifestyle. See, we are a lifestyle type of culture. There are lifestyle brands where you just don't buy a product. You join a community by buying it. People have uh, outdoorsman lifestyles. My goodness, if you go to Loxahatchee, there is so much camouflage in our parking lot. It's not even funny. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Outdoors lifestyle. CrossFit lifestyle. A vegan lifestyle. I mean, it's all sorts of different lifestyles. We're culture of lifestyles. Well, Jesus has one too. But the problem is, in the church, what we've done for generations is Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And we have taught, preachers like me have taught, the way of Jesus, his ethics, his holiness, the way he views the world, that's all good. We have taught the truth of Jesus, the theology, the theological truths that Jesus teaches in scriptures, who God is, who you are, how do you navigate a relationship with a God of holy love and how those things intersect. All that's true. We've taught the way, we've taught the truth. We have neglected the life, the lifestyle of Jesus. 
And so we often wonder if we're following his ethics, we're following his holiness code, we're believing his truth, and yet something is still missing in between because we're not following our master. We're not being good apprentices by watching how he did his life, his daily rhythms, how he did his schedule, how he did his relationships. It's his rhythms, it's his lifestyle. See, Dallas Willard, a great spiritual author, once said this. He said, the truth lies in the secret of the easy world. The secret involves living as Jesus lived the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives, just as everyone else around us does. And it's a strategy that's bound to fail. We've got to learn how to live differently. We have to have a different lifestyle. So what if getting your life back and what if reclaiming your soul has more to do with your lifestyle than you ever thought, than you ever thought. So uh, this is why we chose the theme verse for this series, which is Matthew 11, the words of Jesus, verses 28 through 30. We're going to put it on the screen. Let's go ahead and read this out loud all together. Ready? Go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke is Jesus's, uh, uh, an ancient rabbi's way of carrying the burden of life. It's the lifestyle that Jesus teaches his followers. If we learn to take his yoke upon us, if we learn to adopt his lifestyle to us, it results in rest for our souls, for our souls. So this is where we find ourselves. And the truth of it is that when we look at a verse like that, the real challenge isn't then to go straight to how, okay? Like if I went to straight how, now we're going to get to practical here in a moment. We're going to get to very doable discipleship, how to do this, very practical at the end of every message in this series. But if you start with how, you miss the point. We have to start with, when we look at a verse like that, of do we actually believe Jesus when he says this? This is what we're getting at last week and what we're going to get at a little bit this morning too. Now, at Community of Hope, you will hear us uh, like we're broken records on a couple different things. We'll say it over and over and over again. And two of the main things that we are broken records on over and over and over again is the idea of scriptural engagement and the idea of biblical community. Now, before we jump into the rest of the series, let me just pause here and remind all of you that, go ahead and put the slide up for you version in groups. Thanks that we have Bible uh, reading plans that are uploaded on the YouVersion Bible app. It's the best Bible app out there, and it's free. We really encourage you to check that out. And this is also the time of year we encourage people to get into groups, to step into a circle instead of a row. Um, check this out. And this time of year, this is when we launch new groups. We're doing this every way possible during the pandemic. John Eldridge said this in his book, Get Your Life Back. He says here, One of the gauges to tell how our soul is doing is our capacity for relationship. We are created in the image of a profoundly relational God created for relationship. Am I available for relationship? If I've lost the capacity for it and the enjoyment of relationship, I know things are deeply 
off in my soul. So these are things that are constant throughout this whole series and in addition to things we're going to be talking about is being engaged with God's word and being engaged in relationships with those. You don't want to do your faith alone. And um, I just want to be reminding everybody that if you are back here in person, you're some of the few people who feel comfortable to be back yet. Which Did you know there's like many families on Christmas Eve, it was their first time to church since March, but they've been streaming every week. Isn't that crazy? Now, if you are not connected in a group, if you're coming on Sunday morning, great. If you're not connected in a group, we have lots of groups here, lots of great Sunday schools going on here, and even lots of online wonderful groups for you to check out. You can find all that all over our website and our COH app. Make sure you do that. Good? Capiche? Great. Okay, now let's move on. Now, in all this stuff, in light of all these things, we need to take a look at our passage for today around the life and lifestyle of Jesus. If you haven't opened up your COH app yet for your sermon notes, go ahead and do that now. This comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. And this is a wonderful passage that's going to help us get at the heart of Jesus' invitation to find rest for our souls. And do we believe him or not? And what do we do if we learn to trust him? It says here, Luke 5, 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Please put out, or put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Ugh. Master, oh wait, no. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. It really should sound like, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats on the shore and left everything and followed him. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet this news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So Lord, here's my prayer. Would you, um, you've met us here already with your presence. Lord, that's enough in and of itself. Would you be gracious now to feed our hungry hearts with your word, O bread of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Luke is um, my favorite gospel. 
because of the wonderful attention to detail that he gives. Like Luke is often known as the gentle doctor. And the framers of scripture, the people um, in your Bible, if you open it up and there's headers that are in there, that's not actually in the ancient Greek and Hebrew. That's what publishers put in there to help us see sections of scripture to see how it's kind of organized. It's just a helpful publishing tool. And what they'll do is they'll say over sections like this of the calling of Jesus' first disciples. Um, if Pastor Dale and I were to have our own version of the Bible, which I'm not sure if anybody, you know, wants the T-I-V or, you know, the, the P-Diddy-I-V or whatever. Um, nobody wants our version of the Bible. But if we were to put our own headings over there as publishers of God's word, instead of saying the calling of Jesus' first disciples, we would say the four common misperceptions and misunderstandings of Jesus. Like we're calling this message today, oh, I could never but it actually starts with misunderstandings about Jesus. You can see it right away in the passage. Like here's the first one, which is a very common misunderstanding that people have. Now, all of this has to do with getting your soul back and getting your life back. All of this has to do with, do you trust Jesus when he offers to you to come learn his lifestyle for you to find rest for your souls? Do you just nod because it's a religious thing or do we actually trust him? Here's ways where sometimes we don't actually trust him because we misunderstand. Some people have the misunderstanding, one, that like he can't understand me. If you're taking notes, write that down. He can't understand me. This is what we saw with Peter. Excuse me. This is what we saw with Peter. In Luke 5, 5, go ahead and put it on the screen. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. See, Jesus comes to Peter and says, why don't you go back out into the deep water, let out the nets, and see what you can catch? Peter's discouraged. He's like, this guy doesn't know anything about fishing. I have been gone all night long. We caught precisely and exactly nothing. They're not biting. They're not fishing. We got skunked last night. Nothing's happening. And then Jesus comes, says, hey, go put out in the deep water. Don't you just hate that when you're at the end of a frustrating task and somebody comes to you and goes, did you try it this way? I loathe that. I will lose my holiness in my garage when I'm trying to work on something and uh, don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about my wife. I'm not throwing you under the bus. And when my wife comes on out and I'm frustrated and it's not working, she goes, did you try it that way? Oh, my goodness. And you know what the worst part about it is? She's right. 95% of the time, she's right. It's the worst thing. But we can all identify with Peter. Go, you don't understand this problem I'm having. And then Peter's like, you don't understand well, I've just been going through, but because you say so, I will go do it. Because we think Jesus doesn't understand your life. And so when Jesus comes and offers to us, walk in my ways, learn my lifestyle, you're like, you have no idea what it's like to be a young mom with kids. You got no idea what, how stressful my job is. You have no idea how X, Y, or Z is we tell him, you don't understand me, and so we don't trust him. But you know what the awesome thing about Peter is? Even though Jesus annoyed him, he did it anyway. 
And I can't tell you, I wish I had a dollar for every single time I talked to somebody who said, Jesus interrupted my life and I felt something on the inside of me tell me to do something that I thought was ridiculous. And then when I did it, I found out it wasn't ridiculous. It was him. We all have stories like that, amen? I want to be the type of person, I want more stories like that instead of blowing off Jesus because he doesn't understand what's going on. You don't understand how packed my schedule is, Jesus. You don't understand how busy I am. No, Jesus, I have 10 more emails to check. What do you mean you want me to call this person or pick up this phone or do that? What do you mean? What do you mean? We misunderstand. We think he doesn't understand. The truth is he does better than we know. He does if we trust him. That's first. Here's another misunderstanding that we have around his promise to take his yoke upon us. Is we think, ah, he can't understand me. We think he'll never accept me. See, uh, when people have an outside misunderstanding, it's like an outsider misunderstanding. Like, he, Jesus doesn't understand my life. And so sometimes that's a barrier for people on the outside saying yes to becoming followers of him. It's maybe for those who are already followers of him. This one is he'll never accept me. This is like an insight. This is an internal misunderstanding. Luke 5, 8. So after Peter has this wonderful encounter with him, Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. See, when we encounter, when you experience God in your life, when Jesus shows up, and does his thing and messes everything up in the best way possible, oftentimes we encounter the beauty of his holiness and when we encounter his amazing grace, sometimes our first reaction is to just hide in shame because we think we don't deserve it and we think if he knows who I really am, he won't even come near me. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. Shame comes up. And so if we hear Jesus' invitation, sometimes we go, he doesn't understand my life. And sometimes we hear Jesus' invitation, and we're like, I'm, I'm dirty. I'm unclean. I've got, I'm messed up, and I've got junk in my life. I can't come to him until I get all this stuff clean. If he won't actually accept me. But I remember Pastor Dale said, and I think in our, our first year here at Community Folk, before we were, you know, one church in multiple locations, I heard him say this. I was fresh out of seminary, and it was one of the best things I'd ever heard, and I just come from reading a gazillion books a year. Pastor Dale said one time from the stage, I'll never forget it. He said, being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. It's the prerequisite. Jesus said, I haven't come Uh, The healthy don't need the doctor. The sick do. I've come to call sinners to repentance. If you've got junk in your life, if things are messed up under the hood and behind the scenes and in your heart, welcome home. Jesus has come to meet you and to help you. He does accept you just as you are. Amen? Here's another thing where we don't trust him. Well, he doesn't understand me. He'll never accept me. And he doesn't actually want to help me. So this is where cynicism comes in, where if you've lived a little bit of life and you've been let down by people and you've been betrayed by people and you've been disappointed by people, sometimes we transfer that onto Jesus and put that on him and go, you'll be the same as everybody else. 
And we could see this with the leper in verses 12 and 13. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, which is this, I mean, thank God for modern medicine. Like leprosy has widely been eradicated except for in remote parts of third world countries in the world. Like thank God we don't actually deal with this. Um, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, which is an awful bacteria conditioned where you lose feeling. And when you lose feeling, you can't feel when you get cut or when you get hurt. And because you can't feel and when you get hurt, it gets infected. And then it's just awful, awful, awful. And so this man, when you're covered with leprosy, your whole social life is over. You're an outcast your way because people don't want to contract leprosy from you. He was covered in leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Why would a leper ask Jesus if you're willing? Because nobody else was. If you've been abandoned by everyone else in your life, of course you're going to ask if God will abandon you too. And yet amazing of amazing things. We don't have it on the screen on this slide. Jesus not only doesn't go... Stay over there. You're good. Jesus, while the man, get this picture in your head. Jesus, this man is on his face on the ground. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He's not even seeing what's happening. And Jesus comes to him and puts his hand on him. Puts his hand on him. A leper. And says, I am willing. I am willing. When everyone else has left, you said, they're not willing. I am willing. And be clean. See, when you're Jesus, you don't catch leprosy. Other people don't catch healing when they get around him. That's what's awesome about him. No masks needed around Jesus. We, that's not, whatever. I shouldn't talk about masks. Everybody simmer down. Okay. You get what I'm saying. He's not really willing to help me. Yes, he is. He's willing. And here's the last one. All right, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You'll find rest for your souls. He doesn't understand me. Yes, he does. He won't accept me. Oh, he does. He's not willing to help me. Yes, he is. And here's the last one. I couldn't be like him. See, it always comes down to this. If we begin to believe that he's trustworthy with his invitation to find our life again and to find rest for our souls again, it ultimately comes down to, the Lord, I can't do that. But Jesus makes it off. How do I say this? There are two wonderful things revealed about God and Christ in this passage. One is that Jesus understands you, loves you, and is willing to help you. And the other is that Jesus was human just like you and me. Verse 15 and 16, look at this. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to him here and be healed of their sicknesses. And here it is, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And this is where we get practical. 
because Jesus was human and had limitations and needed a break and needed to get away and needed to pause. And he found a way. You can find a way too. Verona, will you come on up? Here's where we're getting practical for today. Is the first, the foundational thing to do in our whole series that we're going to keep coming back to for the next several weeks. We're calling it the one minute pause. See, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. And the first step, the practical, doable discipleship thing to learn to do in your life is to learn to often withdraw to be alone with God. Now, you might be thinking, I don't have a lonely wilderness to go to, hello. Um, I certainly get that. I understand. Here's what this looks like. I want you to think about every day, the one or two times you are most likely to be alone. The one or two times you're most likely to be alone. Okay? For me, this is how practical this is. It's sitting in my driveway when I pull in from my end of the workday. And I will put my head on my steering wheel. doesn't even have to be spiritual. For some of you, it means when I lock myself in the bathroom. Okay, I really mean this. As practical as what are the one or two times a day when you are most likely to be alone. You got it? When you picture that, here's what I want you to do. It starts with taking one minute. You can grow from there, but it just starts with one minute. Set a timer on your phone or on your watch and just breathe and focus on God. And that's it. You will be amazed at when we learn to often withdraw to be alone with God and to be in silence, what that will do for your soul. No one here is saying you gotta go be a monk or to be a nun and learn to sit for five hours alone with God. Can you do one minute every day this week? Just one minute, can you do that? Can you spare one minute? You can, and I can. In fact, we're going to do it right now. So here's how you practice it. Just do this once a day for the next seven days, and you'll begin to get your life back. And trust Jesus. Learn to adopt his lifestyle. You'll find rest for your soul. Put your hands on your lap open, facing up. And take a deep breath. And we're going to do one minute, starting now, and breathe. And pray this simple prayer silently to yourself. Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Just wait.
That's one minute. That's enough for now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you understand us, that you receive us, and that you're willing to help us and to change us and to help us become like you. Lord, teach us this week to withdraw to lonely places, to be alone with you for one minute at a time as we learn to walk in your ways. It's in your name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Friends, before we dismiss you, just want to let you know that there's going to be a prayer team back at those doors right back there. So if you need prayer for anything, maybe you need healing for something, maybe you have a family member with COVID, maybe you just have anything you need prayer for, go back there. Friends would love to listen to you, pray for you. Also, if you want to take your next step in a spiritual journey, just text the word next to the number on the screen. We'll send you a form you can fill out to help you on your spiritual journey. So with that, would you please stand if you're able? prepare your hearts to receive this benediction. This is our church verse. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year.